when we when I looked at it, I went like that. Yeah, middle, that's what I saw. That's what it, it started like, again. Based on what I cut, based my comment off. Hmm. I'll get now a nervous habit of playing with my phone. <laughs> okay. So we saw there are three different levels in which there's no concealment with the mashpia and the makabel. By the mashpia, obviously, there's no concealment because when the mashpia says the idea, the idea as it resonates in his seichel is there. He's just transmitting that in a slightly different way to the student. That's one level of lack of concealment, obviously. Even the student, so the student doesn't experience Helen, the student experiences revelation. So for the student also, there's a tremendous experience of gilui. I, the student, understands that he's not necessarily getting the full brunt of the seichel of the teacher, but in terms of the student, the student's still very taken by the idea and is, and is affected by the idea. And so there's tremendous gilui by the, by the makabal also, obviously. And the third level, the Rebbe said, which is really the, the single most important point, ultimately, is that the mashpia is megala, everything going on in his seichel to the student, how do we know that? Well, Chazal say, that a person doesn't fully understand what he heard from his Rav until 40 years later. So what, the Rav says something new 40 years later? No. The Rav revealed everything in the Rav's seichel to the student 40 years ago. But it took the student 40 years to truly appreciate it and internalize it and come to deeper understandings through going, it, going over it again and again and again until finally the student understands it on a much deeper level and ultimately the, the Rebbe says that the student can come to the same level as the Rav and we know that ultimately the student, not relative to the idea he heard from the Rav, but relative to other ideas, can even surpass the, uh, the teacher. In terms of what he heard from the Rav, so he can't understand it better than the Rav, right? in terms of what the Rav said to him, Okay. So the rabbi told us that the difference between the student and the and the and the teacher ultimately is the difference between or yosha and or chayza. Or yosha, that's the teacher bringing it from a higher level. He starts the teacher starts with the nimshal. He starts with the original idea, and he clothes that idea in a mushal. He brings it down to the level that the student can understand by clothing it in a mushal. The student starts with the mushal but ultimately elevates him back, himself back up to the nimshal, to the analog, so that he understands the analog by virtue of the mushal. So the, the rub is what's called ur yashar, straight light, light from above below, and the student is ur chayzer, returning light, light from below above. And that took us to a little past the middle of the page, on page nun. So there's no true hester. Ella. Mine? Um, I don't know, 20, 15 lines up? 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 17. Right. 17 lines up. Gematria Tave. From the bottom. Ella. Shepu'ula Sahester. The whole expression of concealment, the action literally of concealment. That's all in order that the makabal can be makabal. That's the whole idea. Hester, were it not for this concealment, were the Rav to reveal his Seichel as it is by him. The Rav would just talk about this idea as it resonates in his own, in his own Seichel or how he talks about with his colleagues. So then the student would be completely confused. 
and he wouldn't receive anything. I'm sorry, he wouldn't even receive any external expression of this idea. He'd be completely confused. Wouldn't, wouldn't learn anything. Right? Ask him, what did the rough teach? I don't know. It was amazing, incredible. What, what was it? I don't know. I didn't understand. Oh, so what was so incredible? Oh, it was amazing. What an idea. What was the idea? I don't know. You ever heard people come back from some lecture or something, some forbringing, and they talk about how amazing it was? What did he say? I didn't understand it. Oh, great. What's that? Oh, it was amazing. Probably should have talked about that history of the Fabrangan. Yeah. I feel like a publisher where it's like the Fabrangan, the Rebbe was saying, like, so what did you learn? Right. So, so, he went by in Dolphins. Yeah, yeah. He asked from one, from, I think he was a Slonimer, yeah. that the, that the, that the, he, the Rebbe asked him, what did the Rebbe say? And he couldn't repeat it. So then, what's that? That happened to be a Slonimer Chosser, it can be anybody. Oh, it was amazing. Umikol and all the more so, Now, obviously, he's not going to get the true depth of the understanding of the Rav. He can't even get the basic idea. Why? Because the, the Rav didn't process it in such a way they didn't give it over to the student. He just talked louder. And through the concealment, had a mayor loyal kolponi. It illuminates to him at least the external expression of this seichel. Now, again, it's the same seichel, right? That, that the Rebbe mentioned that earlier because after all, if it's not the same idea, then, then what's the point? It's the same idea, it's just the idea expressed in a way that the student can understand. And he comes, ultimately, afterwards, and if he works at it, and he does review, and he thinks about it, so then he comes to, ultimately, a deeper understanding of what the Rav wants. Okay. So imagine if Rebbe had just, if, if uh, Nasi, instead of writing the Mishnah the way he wrote it, he wrote the Mishnah the way he talks to Rebbe Meir. So we wouldn't understand. Okay, so then what? Well, then we couldn't understand the deeper meaning of it, which we can come to once we learn the Mishnah, and then we learn the Gemara, and we go back to the Mishnah, and we see all sorts of things in the Mishnah that we didn't appreciate the first time we learned it. Okay, it's all there. We just didn't appreciate it. Why? Well, because we didn't know enough. Okay, now we know more, because we learned the Gemara. So we go back to the Mishnah, we appreciate all sorts of things, see all sorts of things. Okay. And if and if Rabbi if if Rabbi hadn't hadn't somehow been mitzamsem his seichel and clothed it in such a way that you and I can 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 ultimately approach that Mishnah, be no starting point. Sometimes people are privy to information that they have a very very hard time communicating. You ever read? Anything in Novi? Never read Yechezkel, Yeshayahu, Yermiyahu. You ever read Meshur Rabbeinu? Who's easier to understand, Yechezkel or Meshur Rabbeinu? Meshur Rabbeinu. Why? Because Meshur Rabbeinu understood it more deeply and therefore could bring it down to a lower level that even you and I can understand. Yechezkel had a hard time doing that. 
Why? Well, they didn't understand it as clearly as Moshe Rabbeinu understood it. The information that he was given, the prophecy that he was given, was not as clear to him as it was to Mesha, and therefore he wasn't able to express it to you and I in as clear a form as Mesha Rabbeinu expressed it. Mesha Rabbeinu expressed God's will and God's wisdom in a way that a five-year-old can read it and understand it. How do you do that? Because he really got it. Now, the Abishter did it for me, and the Abishter taught it to him in that way, to say that. But Mesha Rabbeinu was also a clee to, to be able to understand the information that he was getting from the Abishter in such a clear way that he brought it down to us in such a clear way. Levi Yitzhak Abreditchev, who's a pretty holy Jew, believes in God. So he says that if you look at the end of Moshe Rabbeinu's Nevuah, Hazinu, Zoysa Brocha, very hard to understand. All right? So he says that's because Moshe Rabbeinu lost his Mechin at that point, meaning Moshe Rabbeinu was the end of his life, and Moshe Rabbeinu's Nevuah reverts back to the state of the, revu- the Nevuah of most of the Nevim. That, which is quite a, a, a revolutionary thing to say. That's why if you don't quote him, then they'll, we'll, we'll burn you at the stake. But if you quote Rav Levi Yitzhak so then fine. I mean, he's Rav Levi Yitzhak He's holy and he's religious and he believes in God. Right. Which is an astounding thing. It is definitely true that the end of the Torah is harder to understand than any other part of the Torah. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> this is called high tech. <laughs> okay, we're almost back to the nimshal. We're getting there. The nimsa Therefore, it's found that the concealment of the mashpia is not true concealment at all. Adarava o contraire. A contrario, on the contrary, pum fekert lehefech kol inyana ulagalus. It's all about revealing, not concealing. Hainu masha maybe er hasechal shela mashpia takes the light of the intellect of the mashpia gam also the deepest levels of that light gam pnimius va'atzmius chokmosay. The deepest aspects of the understanding of the Mashpia are brought to a much lower place, Shagam Sham, that even there, Yarvi's Galil, it will illuminate and be revealed, Ura Mashpia, the light of the Mashpia. And the simple student, Vainu Bamakabal Kotin, the simple student, Shaina Berach Mashpia Kalal, who's not commensurate to the Mashpia at all. So if Yol could walk in the room and explain an idea of this to you. You understand Chassidus like Rav Yol? Oh, Bemet. Right. Okay. Say that. You, us, I mean all of us. Right. Okay. Say that. So, so, but he can explain it. Why? Because he's good at that. And he'd bring a mushroom and another mushroom. What's happening? Rav Yol's understanding of Chassidus is being revealed to us. Gamu, so then therefore the student also, Yavin Vyasik, he'll understand and comprehend the Oramashpia, Gam Emik Pinimius Atzmius Chokmos. Ultimately, all of the depth and breadth and the Pinimius and the essence of this, of the Chokmah of the Rav, is being revealed when the Rav speaks 
And we talked about that. We brought a number of mashalim for that. Venimsa be'emes. Therefore, we found in truth ein zehelim ve'ester klal. There's no true concealment. Kiim adaraba. The opposite is true. Maybe a se'olam madregeshalamatim imenu. All it's doing is bringing about revelation of this light to a lower level. Ah, in order for that light to actually be revealed in that lower level, it has to undergo incredible process processing and 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 dim and being diminished and clothed in all sorts of foreign vessels, but ultimately what's being revealed is our Vadugma Mikolze Yuvan Lamaila. And the example of all this, we're now back to the Nimshal. Vadugma Mikolze Yuvan Lamaila Beinyan Shem Havaya Velukim. Imagine that we're actually talking about Havaya Lukim. Shem Elokim is the quality of concealment, constriction and concealment. Shem same that it constricts, and conceals, or Shem the light of Avaya, which is an infinite light and can't be the source of finite reality. In order that there can be, the bringing into being of the worlds. Because after all, what's a world not infinite? So Shemavaya can't be revealed. Mitzad, it's Panemius. Because if you reveal the Panemius of Shemavaya, so what you revealed is infinite reality. But I'm not interested in the revelation of infinite reality. I'm interested in the revelation of finite reality. I, the source of the finite reality, is an infinite light. So then I have to somehow deal with that light so it can be processed and expressed in such a way that it doesn't seem to be infinite. Oh, that works. The Shem Havaya, we said earlier, Shem Havayu Makar Gilui. It's the source of the revelation. Vahainu, and what does that mean? Gilui or Bebechinas Bligvu. The revelation of light and equality of infinite. We're translating it infinite as opposed to unlimited because we want to di- differentiate between those two. Right? Because infinite is limited to the extent that it can't be expressed in finite. Okay, meaning the light can't maintain its infinite quality and be revealed in finite. It must express itself in a finite way. Okay, right, that's true. And when we talk about light, so we've talked about this many times, it's so important to understand. When we talk about light, there's two different levels in which we talk about light. Often we talk about light in terms of its similarity to etzem. It's connected to the source. It's so similar to the source. To that extent, we can call it bligvul, whereas true bligvul is only its source called the the ma'or, the source of light. But light is infinite. So it's quite impressive and light is by definition connected to its source. And if if the light loses that connection, it goes out of existence completely. In other words, it reveals in the most powerful way the connection of it to its source. There's no such thing as light that's not connected to its source. No light it's not connected to its source. It doesn't exist. Oh, okay. That's one aspect of light. The other aspect of light, when we want to express how light is not etzim, so we express how light is very, very separate and different than etzim. Etzim, essential Eibishter, the Eibishter himself, Atzmusa, Mahusay, Yisbarach, the essence of a Kodesh Baruch Hu himself. It's not light. It's not even Ma'or. 
It's not even a source of light. I mean, it ends up being, a, so to speak, ends up a source of light. The Abish himself is a source of light. He's only a source of light once he decides there should be something called light. The Abish himself is just the Abish. That's why when in, we've talked about this in Davening and Shachar, right at the beginning of Shah after after those 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 seven levels. the the Rebbe Shab says that's Atzmus Netoy, the that's Atzmus now, so to speak, transforming itself into Ma'or, the source of infinite light. Not light, the source of light. Those are the five different levels of the light. Right, the, the, the basic desire to create. Then what's called the Hashara, the estimation, meaning, so to speak, the, the mathematics of how to express this light. Then Machshava Kedumah Da'ak, the 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 Rutzen Kloli for all of Seder Yistalshlus, the general mm-hmm. desire for all Seder Yistalshlus, all four worlds, right? And then the Dibur of that Machshava, the revelation of that Machshava, that ultimately brings you to the fifth level, which is Kesser of Etzilus. That's also Baruch Shamar Vayelam Baruch Hu Baruch Hu Mevesu Baruch Gerzim Kain Baruch Gerzim Kain That those five levels, same thing. But in 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 Shachris, you also mentioned there's a mention of the two levels above it, Elam and Brachamecharabim, two levels beyond that. What's that? Elam the to himself, God, Neto. Then what? God is the source of infinite light, Brachamecharabim. Does he have to be the source of infinite light? No. Who says there has to be light? It's only light because the Ebrister wants there to be light. Right. <coughs> For a beyond infinite amount of beyond time, there was no light. It was just the Abishta. <laughs> Whatever that means. Right? What was he doing? He wasn't doing anything. Why was he there? Oh, just is. Right? That's called Yesh Amiti. What's, what's light called relative to that? Ayin. Non-being. Relative to Atmos, light is non-being. Why? limited. It's not absolute. It's not essential. It doesn't have to be. Why is there light? Because they to want there to be light. Why is they to want there to be light? Don't know. Ask the highest level of light called Chochmah Stima. Ask that. Well, well, it's not the highest, but ask in, in Chochmah. The Chochmah of the Ebishter. Mamish. Ask that level of Ebishter. Why is there Why is there a revelation? Had a taiva. Why do you have a taiva? By taiva is a fragment is kasha, right? By taiva is a person doesn't ask a question. You ask a person why are you drinking hot tea on a on, on such a boiling hot day. I had a taiva for tea. Why did you have a taiva for tea? What a stupid question. I mean, why did you have a taiva for tea? The very fact that he said he had a taiva for tea means there's no rational explanation for the reason he wants this cup of coffee. He just had a taiva for it. Why did you have a taiva for it? I don't know why I had a taiva for it. Go, go ask your mother. What do you want from me? <laughs> Maybe that, that, that the idea of a taiva. And interesting enough, that's how Chazal described Akadosh Baruch Hu's desire for a dear b'tach They had a taiva. The Hebrew has taivas. In Morristown, the, the store, I don't know what they call it now. Maybe people will get depressed now. In the old days, no one got depressed. They, they, they had a store that we used to sell, you know, you could get a can of Coke and a chocolate bar and a muffin or whatever, and it was called the Taiva Shop. 
The Taiva shop. You have a Taiva, so you go over, you buy a, you know. Okay. The Taiva shop. Say them. It's like a store here. Was there, there used to be a store here, remember? Like, like Who ran that store? Uh, Daniel Schechter. Right, Daniel Schechter. He was the one who made it. Right. Right. Just had that little thing, you got it. That whole table full of little typhus. Mm-hmm. That's good. You could buy some Barak's brew, some of Daniel's typhus. There's a lot going on. You guys, come on, get together. It's boring around here, guys. You got to you know, get some stuff happening. So that's, that's, or, or, when you describe or relative to Kli, you describe it in terms of its incredible, lofty, infinite nature that it's so close to Atzmus that if you didn't learn Chassidus, you wouldn't even know there's anything beyond or. You just say God's infinite. Right? It's true. But when you, when you, when you learn about Atzmus, Whatever we can learn. So the one thing we can learn about Atmos is we understand that our relative to Atmos is, is ayin, non-existence. Right? So way back when, in the Mimer, we talked about Bria being a state of Yesh that comes from a state of ayin, and that ayin is Atzilus. The flip side of exactly the same reality is from Atmos to the highest level of Sevev, or... The highest levels of infinite godly light. What are they relative to where they come from? They're called ayin. So the Rebbe Shab explains at great length. What's the process? Yesh, ayin, ayin, yesh. Yesh, atzmus. Ayin, infinite light. That light undergoes a process so that it becomes a level of light called ayin that can be the source of yesh. Yesh, ayin. But that ayin is so lofty, so infinite, so transcendent, can't possibly be the source of worlds. That ayin ends up becoming a different state of ayin. Right? And that ayin serves as the source of what you and I call yesh, creation. So it's from the bottom, it's yesh, ayin, ayin, yesh. From the top, it's yesh, ayin, ayin, yesh. What's light? Ayin. What isn't it? It's not atzimus. Don't get carried away. Don't ever think that Infinite godly light is the Abishter himself. It's a revelation of the Abishter. Not meaning for all intent, it's him, but it's a revelation. It's him in revelation, not him in essence. And just like the Ma'or who ain't safe is unlimited, so to the Or is ain't safe. Here, the Rebbe is emphasizing the similarity of the Or to Etzim. Again, in many places we talk about the dissimilarities. But uh, you want to appreciate or so it, you know, or is amazing. It's infinite. Infinite. What does infinite look like? Wow. Amazing. Beam Kane It's not commensurate to the world. Why? Even at Silus, relative to that level of reality is a state of Yeshun Gvul. Relative to what's below it. So it's Silas is called Ayin. So when you and I talk about Bria, Yeshmi, Ayin, we talk about Elama Bria coming, which is a state of Yesh coming from a state of Ayin, and that state of Ayin is Elama Silas. But when we talk on a deeper level, what's it Silas? Yesh, relative to what's above it. It's, it's limitation. What's in there? Ten spheres. Ten? What are you kidding? Yeah, ten. Ten? God's ten? 
Look at him over here. He's, he's ten. He's not really ten. He's really one. But over here, he looks like ten. Aye, what's the panemius of that ten? One. But in a revealed state, what is it? Ten? Ten revealed spheres. All these different aspect of, aspects of godly reality ex- expressed in some sort of differentiated form. What does it look like? I don't know what I want to see this looks like. Not sure. It doesn't look like this. But it also isn't a state of absolute blinding light. Because you can, you can see the subtle differences between different aspects of godly reality. It's called spheres. It's all there. Even in the blinding light, they're all there. All these aspects of reality are there. They're just completely consumed by the infinite light. So they're not in a state of revelation. Where do they come into a state of revelation? In a place called Elamatsilas. How? Kalim. How does that happen? Ask God. It's called Simsum and Hislavshus, right? <coughs> Words that we know. Baruch Hashem. Chassidus teaches us all this stuff and it becomes part of our vernacular. Who built the Balgvul? Orainsaif is unlimited. And the worlds are all about limitation. Ugvul who built the Balgvul, and limitation and beyond limitation, infinite, or finite and infinite, they're not commensurate one to the other, two completely different states of reality. By definition, if you're experiencing infinite reality, you're not experiencing finite reality. If you're experiencing finite reality, you're not experiencing infinite reality. The two can't exist simultaneously. They exist in the same place, so to speak. It's not that there's not infinite reality here. Of course there's infinite reality down here in the finite world. It's just not revealed. Right? Again, we've talked about it many times, how many spaces in between these two finite spaces, an infinite amount of spaces. Okay. But that, that infinite reality is not revealed as infinite, right? You want to see one of the spaces? Boom. Well, there it is. As soon as you make it finite, you can see it. When it's in a, its infinite state, so it's just a concept. doesn't mean it's not true. It's there. You just can't see it. It's not where we live. Amnam, however. E-F-Shar, it's impossible. And when we say this, we mean it within the context of whatever it is that the Abishter had in mind. I mean, the Abishter can do whatever he wants, but, but from our point of view, in terms of our understanding of reality as it is, it cannot be. Right? We've talked about this many times. What does mean? Bringing into being. The word lihiot is to be. Lihavot is to cause to be. Hit havut, the causing of being. Right? It's impossible that it could be his havus elemis, the bringing into being of the worlds, ki'im bat migilui the orainsai. From revelation of orainsai, because after all, what's the world? It has some level of existence. Well, what's existence? Orainsai. So there has to be a revelation of orainsai in order for the world to exist. Kiyadua. Shekol pa'ula, any action, is by virtue of the revelation of the power of the one causing the action. The pale, the doer. Right? Now, that doesn't mean you see the doer, but you're aware of the existence of the doer. What just happened? 
someone's energy is being clothed in this watch such that it's moving. Once that energy ceases to be in the watch, it stops moving, meaning it falls down. It goes up relative to the energy of the koyach that's mislavish in the watch. As soon as that koyach disappears, so then the watch stops going up, which is antithetical to its nature. Its nature is to go down. It just stopped by the table, Baruch Hashem. Right, okay, so this, how much koyach is being mislavish in this watch? That much. Less. More. As soon as it runs out, what happens? Well, the watch starts to fall down because there's no koyach in the watch. Okay, existence. The koyach is mislavish in the nifal, in that thing which is existent. Were that koyach to disappear, what would happen? So it cease existing. But it doesn't cease existing. Baruch Hashem, here we are. We're still existing. So the koyach is misgale in the nifal, in that thing that is caused by that power. Okay, is it revealed? Well, do you see my arm in the watch? Of course not. Whoa. Double play. Right, that was a good one. Right? Right? So, so, no, you don't see my arm in the watch, but you know that someone threw the watch. Why? Well, because, you know, watches don't fly by themselves. So if someone would throw a ball on the other side of the room, you say, well, where'd the ball come from? What's the koyach apayel that's mislavish in that ball such that it's flying across the room? And if the ball flew across the room at super speed, you go, whoa, 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 who threw that? Wow, that's some koyach apayel. Right? Time does fly. Time flies. Just wait. Right? Once you start going downhill, you pick up speed. That's <laughs> the way it works. That's the way it works. I'm sorry. That's what a pool is. Okay, so there's a pu'ula called bringing the world into creation. What is that? It's a revelation of kayachapayo. What's the kayachapayo? The Abishta. Existence. The world is a revelation of the reality called existence. There's something that exists. Now that existence has come into infinite revelation. I'm sorry, finite revelation. Meaning, there's now a revelation of finite reality. Okay. What's the source of that finite reality? Something brought that thing into existence. What is that? Shemavaya. It's the source of existence. Ah, but Shemavaya is infinite. Okay, Beseder. No, I mean, the power that exists in my arm is a lot different than the, that, you know, the, the limited reality that was clothed in this watch. Okay, Beseder. It's not infinite. It used to be. What a curveball I had when I was 12. It's the revelation of our Ein Seif, Mitzad itself, is unlimited. And it's not commensurate to the worlds. So how can it possibly be that our Ein Seif is ultimately the Kayach the source 
of existence, and but we experience that existence in a way that's completely contrary to the nature of the kaya chapel of the, of the of the of that which is bringing the existence into being, which is infinite, and we experience finite. How can that be? Hine, zehu inyan shem elukim. That's what shem elukim is all about. Shemitzam seimu mailimu mastir that it constricts and conceals and hides, covers. Esa or the shame havaya. Vohu shemis alim bechines penimius vaatzmius or the shame havaya. That what's concealed, the inner, essential light of shame havaya, which is infinite in nature, meaning its nature is that it's infinite. And it doesn't illuminate, it doesn't shine, rock, but only an external expression of that light. Right, we talked about that. What does a Kli do? Shem Elohim is the source of Kalim. We saw that earlier in the Mimer. What does a Kli do? A Kli reveals a certain aspect of the light, but hides every other aspect of the light. That's what Kalim do. Okay. So, so we, we talked about we talked about about Yosef's cup. So Yosef's cup is revealing one aspect of physical light called red, and concealing all of the infinite other aspects of physical light, meaning the infinite different shades of color that exist in light are hidden by his cup. Right? And were there only red in this room, we think everything's red. We think we might even think light is red. No, light's not red. It just happens to be that all the kalim here are red, so everything's red. Okay, but I mean, it doesn't happen to be that case because there's blue and there's all sorts of other colors in here. Vaharazu, this haara, this ray of light, which has been processed so it's not going to blow the kalim to bits. Right. What would happen to us if we were to fly a million miles away from the sun? That level of sunlight, what would it do to us? It would be the end of us. <laughs> we'd just sizzle up into nothingness in, in you know, no time. Just gone. Okay. What happens to the sunlight as it emanates down 93 million miles from the sun? Its power is diminished. It's not the same light. Right? It's just the power is <laughs> diminished such that you and I can become kalim for that light so that it can keep us warm, it can make us look healthy even if we feel decrepit, we have a little color in our face, we, you know, people look healthier in the summer. Are they healthier? Who knows, but they look healthier, right? The daffodil has this beautiful green stem because of this chlorophyll that somehow the sun just, you know, the chlorophyll sees the sun and goes, green. Well, that happens, I don't know, but that's what happens, right? It just goes berserk when it sees sunlight. It's so exciting, right? Now take that daffodil and hold it 92 million miles away from the sun. What would that sunlight do to the daffodil? Ois daffodil, no more daffodil. Dust. 
Right? Interesting. That, I mean, it, that's it's same light. Well, it's different light. What happens? So there's a machine that turns it into something not sunlight. And there's also there's just sunlight. Same thing. Exactly the same thing. It's just the same thing in a slightly different form, such that it's been diminished so that it can ultimately affect something else and be, in, in this case, be clothed in Kalim and affect reality in a positive and useful way. The sunlight 91 miles away from the sun is pretty useless for us. The sunlight 95 miles away from the sun is also pretty useless for us. We're all ice cubes. 93 million miles works just fine. so happy that it evolved that way so that we're here and it all works. Okay. That's the level of light that's perfect for the kalim that exists down in this world. Sometimes it's a little too strong. There are places where it's a little too strong. A person can really get sick if they stay out in the sun too long. It's not healthy. Not healthy to stay out in the sun too long for people. They can dehydrate, they can get to Chasvisholim Yenemach, right? Skin cancer is very, very common by people who, I mean, people who live in hot climates, what do they tend to do? Wear a lot of clothing. So interesting. The Western world has somehow turned this upside down. Now in hot climates, people take off clothes, which is stupid. What you would, should do when you're in a very hot, sunny climate is wear more clothes, because the sun is not a good thing to have to bounce off large parts of your body constantly. It's not healthy. You look healthier if all you care about is chitzenius, so then it's good. You look healthy. Oh, yay. But you're actually, it's not healthy. So any society that was sun-centered, right, they, they all walked around, I mean, Bedouins, right, people who live in deserts, what are they all, long robes, keeping themselves covered up. The shtus, the kedusha of the Western, the shtus, the klipa, I'm sorry, of the Western world is that people take off clothes when the sun comes up, which is actually not, I mean, obviously you're not going to take them off when the sun goes away because you're going to freeze, right, but you should actually wear you should be covered up when the sun's out. Because it's not good to not be covered up. It's wild. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I lost my place, I'm sorry. Right? Sorry. This ha'ar is clothed in the kalim of Esr spheres. means now brought down to a level that it can be clothed in a vessel. Very similar to sunlight. Sunlight comes down 93 million miles away from the sun, and it's been by. I mean, nothing happens to it. It just diminishes and diminishes. The strength of the light diminishes, the heat of the light, the power of the light, all, you know, the, inter- the intensity of the light as light, and the heat of the light as heat. It, it diminishes and diminishes until it can serve as a positive source for all sorts of life in Elamaza. It's clothed in Kalim. It doesn't burn up the daffodil. It gives it just the right amount of light. Now, you're not going to grow a lot of daffodils in the Sahara Desert. That light's not very good for daffodils. Right? 
Meaning even on earth there's different gradations of the light and the heat. Right? And there's places where the heat is too strong for much to happen. So Taka, they're called deserts. Right? And, and, and it's like not necessarily north-south, right? Because the middle is all this t- tropical rainforest. Like how that happens, I'm not exactly sure. Because the hottest places, theoretically what should be the hottest places, are, are, are actually tropical rainforests in much of the world. You think the desert should be in the middle and it should get greener as you go north, but it doesn't work that way. I don't know exactly. Rainfall. Yeah, rain, yeah, okay, but why? Why, why is there rainfall? Why, who knows? Anyway. Yeah. The, the, the angles and all that stuff, right? Okay. Giant wind currents. Right. It's all pretty mysterious. It's pretty amazing, the whole thing. Right? Okay. <clears throat> So it's clothed in Esosphere's Tatsilas, Bebechines Hischalkus, in a quality of differentiation, Chochma Vechesed. Veyeshla Bechines Erech, there it now has a quality and an Erech and a, and a value, Vesheiches, and a relevance, Laelimus. This light is now a light that can have some Sheiches to a world, meaning it can express itself within the context of a specific kli which will limit the infinite aspect of the light and reveal a particular, and in this context, so to speak, finite or mamish finite aspect of the light. This is like the diminished seichel of the mashpia. The mashpia takes his relative to the student, so-called infinite intellect, it's not infinite mamish, of course, but relative to the student, were you to reveal it in the form it is in his head so that nothing would happen, there would be no revelation to the student, just confusion. So he takes that, so to speak, infinite understanding and diminishes it and clothes it in a form that the student can understand. So the Abishta takes infinite existence and processes that infinite existence so that a finite creature can experience it and experience its own existence. And then through the external action of the kelim, and then through the parsam of sekes, which you learned about a little bit with Rabbi Levinger, with the veils and curtains of sekes, between all these different levels of reality, very, very powerful forces of limitation and separation which even they, the Rebbe says, are all part of Eneid Milvada, and it's all just him. Between Atzilus and the worlds of Bri Yitzir Asiyah, parenthetically, that's a famous mimer where the, the Altar Rebbe discusses this idea. was a mushal do? A mushal on one hand hides the original idea, on the other hand it reveals the original idea. But you're not talking about the original idea, you're talking about another idea. We weren't talking about a Vayavelokim for two pages, we didn't talk about a Vayavelokim, we were talking about a Mashpi and a Makavo. Aye, but what was really happening? We're talking about a Vayavelokim. It was all in order to reveal a Vayavelokim. We just had to go into Mashpi and Makabal in order to understand a Vayavelokim. But at a certain point, you shouldn't need the Mashal of Mashpi and Makabal anymore. Meaning, you understand the Mashal and you go back up to the state of a Vayavelokim and you can appreciate a Vayavelokim in, in, it, in its own right. So through the parsim of Sekh is back before the, the parentheses, and then we'll skip the parentheses. 
Val Yedea Parsem of Sekis, Benetzilis Labio, Nimshach, it's drawn down, or light, Lefi Erech Elimis, Bale Gvul. It's drawn down light that's commensurate to worlds that are places of limitation, Lahaves, to give to bring into being Eilimis Bia, Briya Yitzira, Sia, worlds of tremendous, I mean, again, relative to what's above them, unbelievably powerful expressions of finite. Till you get to this world, which is finite with six capital letters. Ah, kol bechines helim vehester anal. All of this concealment, the shem elokim, hare legave atzmus arein seif, relative to the mashpia, relative to the abishter, relative to the essence of godly light. This doesn't conceal. The Abishter looks at the world. What does he see? Himself. Oh my goodness, where am I? What happened? He says, Oh, just like the Mashpia. When the Mashpia says over the idea to the student, what, he loses sight of the original idea? No, I thought we said there's no Helen by the Mashpia. The Mashpia, what's happening in the Mashpia is two things. He hears the words coming out of his mouth, but he also hears the idea as it resonates in his seichel. He wants to make sure that those words are a proper expression of the ideas that exist in his seichel. He might have had to think about that for quite a while, how to, <coughs> how to express that. Right? Rav Nana said that, that the Rebbe Shab used to... <coughs> this rabbi, right? The rabbi Shab used to say, "Is my marim Friday night," and he said that often on Friday afternoon, the rabbi would walk around Zal, deep in thought. They'd see the rabbi Shab would just be walking around the Zal and just deep in thought. No one would talk to him. No one would bother him. What was he? What was he probably doing? Thinking about the mimer that he's going to say, what does he have to do? He has to take his intellect, how he understands elokus, and clothe it and put it in a form that you and I can understand. So he says to walk around, so thinking about it. Then at night he, ukanal, the mushal, and like we said earlier in the mushal, shalagabi mashpia. We're always going to go back to the mushal. We're going to be flipping back to the mushal constantly. Right? Which is very nice of the Rebbe, because we forgot there was a mushal right already. We do forgot all about it. Well, canal, the mushal, shalagabe mashpia, relative to the mashpia, ain't shum helim. There's no concealment by the mashpia. The mashpia all of a sudden forgets the original idea because he's discussing a different idea. It's the same idea. And what does he hear in every word of, the, of that which he's teaching the student? The idea is it resonates in his seichel, and he's constantly checking to make sure that the words that are coming out of his mouth are a proper expression of that original idea. That's just mitzad the mashpia. But we also said, Lamaisa Lagabe, the makabal, there's also gilui. What do you and I experience? Existence. Aye. We experience existence in finitude. Said, but what are we experiencing? Existence. So it's a gilui to us, not a hidden. We don't, we don't experience hiddenness, we experience revelation. I am. Whoa. And the third level, if we really understand, so then we understand that there's no tzimtzum whatsoever, that what's being revealed to us is mamish, the orins of biltikum. It's just in a finite form. Can we say before that the mishpia sees the initial, like, when clear, more clearly after it's been called in a mashal? Yes, how that relates to the abish is unclear. I mean, I'm 
obviously, you know, the muscle is not complete because the muscle is a teacher and not the Eberstein. But yeah, that's also true, right? After you teach something to someone, you understand it better than you understood it yourself because you were forced to put it in a slightly different form and see a different pan, a different aspect of it. 100%. So, mitzad the Eberstein, there's so to speak, I mean, the Chazal talk about this, that the existence of the world, so to speak, expands the horizons of the Eberstein, so to speak. Meaning what? Now there's finite. He's even there. Finite and infinite were all potential until the world was created. Now they've come into a state of actual. So mitzad the ab- the abishter potential. What dif- what dif- what distinguishes between potential reality and actual reality in our experience? There's something in between those two things. It's called time. <laughs> the potential becomes actual over time, right? What does that look like in a reality where there's no time? Oh, that's like an interesting question. <laughs> what differentiates potential and actual? Are there states of reality called potential and actual? Well, not really. But we apply that to the Ebishtim, so to speak. So to say that the incredible explosion of godliness that the world, this world, but all of the worlds bring about was all in a state of potential until the actual creation of the world. Then it came into a state of actual. Now that's only relative to us, because relative to the Abish there is no such thing. Okay, say that, but we, we, the Abish created potential and actual, right? That's part of what he created. He created those two notions of reality so that you and I can understand something. Right? Also relative, I mean, in, in Mayim Rabin, the Rebbe explains what well, the, the famous Chazal, <coughs> the Kodesh Baruch that so to speak, took counsel from the from the from the neshamas of tzaddikim. Meaning, what does that mean? He asked that tzaddikim should I create the world? But if there's already tzaddikim, so he already created the world. I mean, what that, that's what does that mean? So the Rebbe explains that what the Abishter before the creation of the world, before whatever that means, before the creation of the world, up there in Atzmos, the Abishter experienced the pleasure of you and I doing the mitzvah. Because he's beyond time. So he could experience that pleasure even before there's a you and I. But what did he want? He wanted that pleasure to come into a state of actuality. Which means, on a certain level, that the, the, the I mean, not, not, not on a certain level, I mean, ultimately, the neshama is more powerfully connected to the Abishtah by virtue of doing a mitzvah in Elam Hazah than it is by virtue of the fact that it's sourced in the essence of God. Because it's sourced in the essence of God is just there. That only exists, mitzad the potential of what the neshama can ultimately be. But what's the actualization of that? Why is there such a thing called the neshama? Why is there such a thing called the world? Because the Abishta wanted a mitzvah. He wanted that to happen in actual reality as opposed to potential reality or virtual reality, his reality. He wanted it to happen in Gashmi's. So when you and I do a mitzvah, we're connected more powerfully to the Abishta and Etzim than we are by virtue of the fact that our neshama is taka there. We're going to stop it. The world, so to speak, expands God's horizons to the extent that now all of a sudden he's revealed an infinite, infinite. Before there's a world, so then finite, infinite don't exist. I mean, they exist. They exist in Atzmus, right? We said there's Kayach Gvul in Atzmus and Kayach Bilti Gvul in Atzmus. They exist there, but they exist in a hidden state. There's ten spheres in Atzmus. They're called spheres of the hidden spheres. They must be there. 
How do you know? Well, if there's spheres gluyas, if there's revealed spheres, there must be spheres in atzimus because everything comes from atzimus. <laughs> okay, what are they called there? Spheres are gnusers, hidden. How do you and I know they're there? Because there's revealed ones, <laughs> which is funny, right? <laughs> it's like knowing how do I know I exist? Because because I see my reflection in the mirror. But wait a minute. Reflection in the mirror is because I exist. Okay, yeah, that's true. It's like that the reflection in the mirror exists before you actually walk into the room and all you do is fit your face into the reflection. That's the muscle used to understand spheres genusis. They're already there, and then when the spheres gluyas come into being, so they're the spheres gluyas, the spheres, the, the hidden spheres are only a reflection of the revealed spheres. But the reflection was there before the, the thing itself. Like your face was in the water before you showed up, and then now you now it fits. But what do you mean? It's just a reflection of you. Oh, called halas man mineu probably gone, right? Halas man mineu the elevation of the feminine waters before they even exist. <laughs> anyway, we'll stop there. Let's read one, one more, just read one more line so we can finish with the Rebbe's words, and then, and then we'll, we'll go as far as we can go tomorrow, and, and I guess that's it, right? There's nothing on Wednesday? I don't think so. Is, is Wednesday a day off, or is Wednesday a day of learning? So we have Wednesday mornings. Oh, oh, good, okay, I need but. I was going to ask you guys if you wanted to learn this for 45 minutes before davening, just stumble, daven later Wednesday and just learn. What I mean, I, you know, so whatever. <coughs> I have nothing to do. I'm just going to sit at home and, and vegetate. So. <laughs> <coughs> what? Hold on. Uh, uh, uh. It's like, Gamba Seichel, also in the Seichel of Matsum Thank you.